Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. If you would get your Bibles, open them up to the Gospel according to John, the Gospel according to John, chapter 8. How many of you have ever gone through a spurt in time in your life where you were actually defined by your mistakes? Defined by your mistakes. Really? Like me and one other person? There we go. Now we're seeing some hands. Come on. Hey, let's all have a let's all have a mass group confession time. Are you ready? How many of us have ever been through those points in time in our life where we're defined by our mistakes? We've all been through these spurts where you make a mistake and that kind of locks back a little bit of a, um, it's almost like a wicked circle that you get involved in. Uh, I remember in my life where I, uh, before I had become serious about being a Christian, I was, maybe some people would define me as a wild child. I was involved with some things I shouldn't have been involved with. I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. Um, and did it long enough that it did define who I was. It defined who I was to my teachers at school. It defined who I was to my wife. It defined who I was to even some people that were um, close to me from uh, the church that we attended back then. And then when you do get things right, it seems like it takes it forever for that to actually replace all of the mess that we made beforehand in our lives. Um. Probably one of the most frustrating points in life that I can remember was, um, without getting too specific, I changed. I, I mean, it was like the time came where it was like, okay, you know, the if the Bible's if the Bible's real, then there's it's something more than just you pick up a book and read it. It's something more than you just sit in the pew and listen to a preacher preach or at a table and listen to a teacher teach. There's something more to this, and I got serious about my relationship with Jesus. I mean, you're serious in your relationship with Jesus, and you're doing things right the way that they're supposed to be, but then all of a sudden something happens that nobody knows what did, but it falls into the category of what you used to do. Didn't do it. But did you get in trouble for it? I mean, how many of you guys have told your kids the little boy that cries wolf story? Um, we cannot allow ourselves to be defined by our mistakes. And the reason we can't allow ourselves to be defined by our mistakes is because Jesus Christ makes it very clear in the Gospel according to John chapter 8 what his intentions are. And I'm going to be very clear with you. Jesus Christ's intentions are very different between people who are actually taking an air than they are with people who have already taken their last breath. Those who take their last breath, it's over with. Jesus, as long as he was here, he was the representative who presented to us the accurate picture of what a person is supposed to be. Um, because, I mean, what better example can you have than to have the second person of the Trinity walk in the planet? I mean, what better example can you have than to watch him and what it is that he does and be able to define that that's what a Christian's supposed to do in life? Um, most of you probably know this, but Judaism's brutal. Brutal. I mean, 
this is what everybody would have believed in at the time that Jesus was alive. They would have still held to the Old Testament Judaism. Um, Judaism. Have, have you guys ever really looked closely into the law? We like to take a lot of attention and turn it towards the Ten Commandments. Right? Ten Commandments. They're important. Ten Commandments important? Yeah, they're important. What about the Levitical law? Is it important? Do you know how much law there is involved in that? I mean, it gets ridiculous, folks, with the amount of things. And and it makes perfect sense. And I'll explain to you why it makes perfect sense. God did not give us the law to follow it. Yep, preacher just said it. I'm going to say it again. God did not give us the law to follow it. God gave us the law so that we could show ourselves that we can't follow it. In other words, the law produces the need for Christ. The law doesn't produce an attitude that would cut him out of the picture. And if we could all do it ourselves, if the law was something that was possible for us to live by, doesn't it make sense that Jesus wouldn't have had to come at all? That makes perfect sense. Now, the difficulty we have in the world we live in today is there are individuals who take advantage of grace, and taking advantage of grace and making a mistake are two completely different things. I mean, how long have we been up this morning? How many of you have made a mistake already this morning in word, thought, or deed? Let's be honest. Word, thought, or deed, because those are the things that count with God, right? It's not just the deed. It's also the thought, right? Jesus said, you say that you've committed adultery. If you lie with another man's wife, I say that if you look upon another woman with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery with her. That's harsh, right? Uh, Guys, how many adulterers are there in this church sanctuary today? Thought, word, or deed. Action, spoken, or thought. Statistics say that 90% of the people in the United States, 90% of men in the United States um, have a problem with pornography. If that tells me about the other 10%, they lied. The other 10% lied. We are fallen human beings. We are not, we are not a picture of perfection. If we were a picture of perfection, again, what would be the need for Christ? Anybody? He gives us a model in, uh, in the gospel according to John chapter 8. And I want us to take a close look at this model. I'm going to try to get everybody out of here at least on time today. So we have plenty of time to get back here. But read with me, if you would, the gospel according to John chapter 8, starting with verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery, in the very act. Now in the law of Moses, uh, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? Law of Moses. The law of Moses says this woman just committed an act that is worthy of her being stoned to death. Do you know how they took care of kids with attitudes back then? They would drag them into the city square, the center of the city. They would tie them to a pole and kill them. Now, you may go, oh my goodness, that's horrible that they would do that to kids like that. How many kids do you think that stepped very far out of line being that was the consequences of those actions? 
if you're caught, if, if a man in the Old Testament threw a baseball, and that baseball hit a pregnant woman in the belly and killed the baby, the baby's dad got to pick the punishment for the guy that threw the baseball. Sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? Let me ask you something, though. Somebody kills one of your babies, just how diabolical are you going to be in your plans of taking their last breath? The Old Testament, folks, is the Old Testament for a reason. It's not useless. It's very useful. It's the oracles of God. We would never disrespect them or say that they are of no use. But they had their purpose. Their purpose was showing us that this is the standard that God expects us to live to. Problem with that? We can't. We can't. The wages of sin is death. That's the penalty. Not different than the Old Testament. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't stand up here today because I changed. You should never be defined by your mistakes. You should never be defined by your fallenness. This last week, I won't name who. He probably knows that I'm talking about him, but told you all many times before that if you stick around long enough, I will let you down. I will. I've let people down before. It's going to happen again. We'll learn, and that's what we're supposed to do is learn. Folks, the Old Testament was harsh. It was the picture that God wanted us to see that there are consequences to sin. But that free gift of God, the eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, it's called imputed righteousness. It means I won't go to heaven and stand before the Father and get to walk through those gates based on my own status. When, when we walk through those gates, it's the imputed righteousness, the righteousness of Christ that he has handed to us that will get us to heaven. What was the punishment for homosexuality in the Old Testament? Stoning. Stoned to death. Taking a baby while it's still in the mother's womb. Death. So in case you haven't figured it out, the scribes and Pharisees just set a trap for Jesus. They just walked out, walked in with a he just they just walked in with a woman that had been caught in the act, according to what that says. And they presented the woman to Jesus because they knew that they was going to put Jesus in a position where he was either going to have to pass judgment and say, yes, stone her to death, or he was going to have to figure out a way to free her. Remember what I said a while ago? There's always hope for somebody who's still breathing. This woman's still breathing. She'd been condemned by the scribes, condemned by the Pharisees, which means she had been, she had been condemned by the, by the entire community. It says in verse 6, and they were, they were saying this, testing him, in order that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. When they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, 
Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down, and he rolled on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone, and the woman, where she was, in the midst. So in a nutshell, here's what happened. They bring the woman, they're testing, testing Jesus, trying to find a good reason for them to accuse, to, to accuse him, to have him removed from the picture. And Jesus, while they're talking to him, he's stooped down and he's writing on the ground. Now, I personally believe, and you guys have heard this, this let me say this before, um, I personally believe that when Jesus squatted down, what do you think he was writing? I bet he wrote down the name, or maybe not the name, but the sins of all of the individuals who were standing around this lady with a stone in their hand. Well, of course, I mean, if if you are living in an act of sin, and Jesus stoops down and he writes in the dirt the sin that you are struggling with, there's two things to this. When you think about this actually happening, when this actually happened, there was two possibilities. Either the person would look at the ground, see the sin that they were in, would continue to have this religious point of view, but more likely when an individual looks down and sees the sin that they themselves... Again, what's the penalty for most sins in the Old Testament? I mean, this could turn into a giant stoning-to-death party, right? I mean, we got somebody in the house who knows everybody's dark corners and everybody's secrets, who knows where all the bodies are buried, where the skeletons are hidden. He knows where they're at. And he's writing down these things that are these people's deepest, darkest secrets. And of course, what they're going to do is, I don't want any part of this. I'm not about to throw a stone when I may be next. Because this dude looks like he knows something that I don't think he should know. And they all began to walk away. So the first question is, why did Jesus handle it like this? It was ingenious. It didn't require him to fall into their trap because he didn't have to say stone her to death or don't stone her to death. He approached it from the perspective of let he who is without sin cast the first stone. <coughs> How many people, excuse me, that surrounded that lady how many of them do you think would not have at least stood up straight when Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone? I'm going to grant you, in society, we have levels of punishment for levels of sin. Of course, if somebody murders somebody, they're going to go to jail a lot longer than somebody who beats up somebody's car. Okay? But the fact is, folks, and, and people think this is unfair, but I want you to hear me out. If you take a toothpick, an extra one from a store, from a restaurant when you leave, you've taken one more than you needed. Then on the other hand, you've got an individual who have murdered ten people in their lifetime. Which of the two is worse? They're the same. Now, although we may have laws that give them different, that hand out different consequences and punishment for those things, the thing is, what God intended to bring to us is pure. 
and it can't be pure as long as there is as long as there's any sinfulness that surrounds it. So us being imperfect people, we are going to make mistakes. It doesn't justify our mistakes. We should still be individuals who are respecting God, what God thinks, and we should be molding our lives after that. But in the process of molding our lives, in the process of this sanctification, we're going to make mistakes. Depending on the size of the mistake, it could take us a while to get our reputation back. I've been in those spots, too, where I tried for a long time to get my reputation back, and it just seemed like it never would come back. And I don't know how many times I could tell you <clears throat> that the thought in my head was, well, if I'm going to keep getting punished for it, I might as well just do it, right? Right? Verse 8 says, and again, he stooped down and rolled on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone, and the woman where she was in the midst. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No, no one. No one, Lord. And she said, Neither do I con or he said, Neither do I con condemn you. Go your way from now on. Sin no more. Two things here that we have to pay very close attention to. Jesus just saved a woman's life, but didn't save it for the sake of saving the life, but saved it for the sake of gaining a life. Now, Jesus could have told this woman, hey, it could have told this woman, hey, you did what you did. Consequences are the consequences. All these guys are about to cut loose. And they're going to beat you to death with these rocks. There's nothing to do about it. But what would have been the impact on the kingdom? This girl, by Jesus Christ's own mouth, would have been condemned to a sinner's hell for eternity. That's what would have happened. But see, Jesus, just like we should be, Jesus was not willing to accept the fact that this woman who made a mistake was out of chances. He didn't just forgive her and let her go. The last thing that he said to her, is there no one here who's condemned you? No one, Lord. Then go. And don't let me catch you doing it again. Mistakes are mistakes, folks, but we got to be people who learn from those mistakes. If we learn from those mistakes, we become spiritual giants because that is how the sanctification process works. We're sanctified in Christ spiritually. If you take your last breath today and you have Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to burst through the kingdom, uh, the kingdom gates and you're going to live there for an eternity. But if you don't take your last breath today, this is an opportunity for us to understand more about what the entire purpose and intent of God was when he sent Jesus Christ here in the first place. Question. How many of you guys have ever felt conviction of the Holy Spirit? Ever felt it? Conviction? It's that little voice in your head, you know, that says, and you know it's God. When you start to do something you're not supposed to, that little voice in your head that says, hey, you better think about this a little bit before you make that choice. 
And then there's the other side of the spectrum where the things that we're supposed to be doing, the Holy Spirit will tell us, hey, that's where you're supposed to go. This is what you're supposed to be doing. I want you to go talk to that person. Our conversations with God, those, in order for those things to really happen, we have to understand first and foremost, forgiveness is absolute. It's absolute. If you truly trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, then forgiveness is absolute. Your lifetime will be spent making mistakes that you will not suffer the penalty for as far as God's concerned. Why? Because it's much more beneficial for him to look at us and to say, hey, rather than me take your life and have it end here, let me extend forgiveness to you so you can learn from your mistake and continue to be someone who's concerned about the kingdom, who's concerned about people. This translates itself in a lot of different ways, folks, because the church of today is a very judgmental church. Human beings. How much right do we have to judge? None. But we also must understand what judgment is. Judgment is determining someone's final destination. If I point at one of you in here and I say, hey, you are going to heaven, or I say, hey, you are going to hell, I just passed judgment. I just made a decision that was above my pay grade because I have no idea whether you're a believer or you're not a believer. That's between you and God. Amen? But Jesus also said that we've been called to be fruit inspectors. So inspecting fruit must not be judgment because Jesus told us to do it, right? Jesus, on the other hand, he has the authority to pass judgment. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 12. Again, therefore, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You are bearing witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Do you know Jesus? And I'm not asking, do you know him as in, did you trust in him? I'm asking you, do you know him? Because Christianity is about a relationship. It's not about religion. You don't get extra kingdom points for coming to church on Sunday. It's not how it works. Okay? I've talked to people who say, you know what? I should have went to church. I didn't go to church, and I had a tire blowout. And I'm pretty sure it's because I didn't go to church. Settle down. Your tire didn't blow out because you didn't go to church. Okay? God's not the type of God up there that's holding scales in his hands going, okay, you make mistakes, you do good things for me, and however this thing settles in the evening, you're going to have an air conditioner blow up. That's not how God plays. Can God catch people in situations and teach them lives through circumstances, or teach them lessons through circumstances? Yes, he can. I, I know one guy from Highland that <laughs> called me, this was about a year or two ago, he called me and he goes, uh, he goes, man, I had an air conditioner to fix at my house the other day and and uh, it, took, it took all of my money, except for the money I had in my savings, but I didn't want to touch the money in the savings, so I didn't tithe that week. I went and bought me an air conditioner. And I said, yeah, what happened? He said, the air handler went out. And he was convinced that it was because 
he had this whole conversation with God going, okay, God, I'm going to go ahead and fix my air conditioner. Um, I'll catch up later on the rest of it. But, but him having that conversation with God, he was convinced. I'm not going to tell nobody that wasn't God speaking to them. That's between them and God. That's whether God was speaking to them. But because something bad happens in your life does not mean that God's out to get you. It doesn't mean that. We live in a fallen world. This world will get you. God doesn't need any credit for the world doing what it's doing to us. And people do this all the time. Have you ever been, to ma- have you ever been mad at God about something? I was. My dad died. I was mad at him. Anybody else in here ever been mad at God? Two months. I'm looking at God going, how dare you? You know how much stuffing it takes for a person to look at God and say, how dare you? You know what I can tell you for sure? That if a person looks at God, shakes his finger and says, how dare you? That person does not know God very well. Doesn't know him very well. He says he will chastise those whom he loves. That means that he will whip the individuals that he loves. That means that we will be punished by him. He can do that. But just because something bad happens in life doesn't mean he's punishing you for it. The church of today is putting so much pressure on people, I don't see how people can even begin to claim to be Christians. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. Oh, you have to do that. You have to do that. And hey, if you don't do that, your salvation is going to hinge on that. This is not the relationship he called us into. This is a this is a loving relationship. It's a relationship where we have intertwined ourselves with Jesus Christ and. The, the things we don't know about him, for people who are Christians, we want to know about him. How many of you guys went on a couple of dates and fell in love with the person that you was on a date a couple times with? You ever fall in love with somebody like pretty quick, like love at first sight kind of a situation? We've all been, those of us that have lived life. What did you do? when you felt that passion in your heart for a person? What did you do when that person left? When they left that date that night, what did, they do? What, what did you do? Let me tell you. I'm going to tell you what you did, okay? Your brain started thinking, I wonder if I'll talk to him again. Or, man, I cannot wait to call her when I get home, right? And back in the day, and I know some of you younger people may not catch on to this, but we, we, there was actually a time in our life where there was no cell phones. We were tethered to the wall, okay? And in the house I grew up in, the uh, dad decided the best solution was for him to buy like a 50-foot cord, one of those pigtail cords that stretch out about 50 feet, um, until I started dating Diana, and we'd spend like three hours on the phone, and I would lay on the stairwell, which was like 35 feet away from the phone, so the phone cord stretched all the way across, and I constantly heard my dad you got to quit locking that phone up, boy. Somebody's going to try to get a hold of me and can't get a hold of me. And it was for three hours. And then you get to the end after three hours, you didn't even talk that much. You remember? You didn't talk. To, it was, all you had to do is hear the person breathe on the other end. It was like, oh, I could just do this all night. Right? Right? And then you get to the point where it's time to go, and it's like, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. These... And we spend the next we spend the next weeks and months of our lives, what are we really getting at? We want to know them more, right? 
We want to know every crazy little perk that they have. We want to know everything about them that we can find about them. And the more stuff that we find out about them, the more stuff that they find out about us, the more that we still share those things, the closer individuals get. The relationship with Jesus, folks, is no different. Why does the Bible say pray without ceasing? Because that's how relationships work. You want me to prove it to you? I want you to call your spouse tomorrow and talk to her for the exact same length of time that you prayed your last prayer. How long would you be on the phone with them? 30 seconds? Hey, those of you that the other person in the relationship, how would it make you feel if they called you and basically just asked you for something and then told you about 30 seconds of their day and then hung up the phone and went on about your day and never, never thought about them again? Jesus forgave this woman for the relationship. For the relationship. And who did this woman end up being? It's okay, you can say it loud if you know it. Who's this woman? Mary Magdalene. How close was she with Jesus throughout his three and a half year ministry? She was on his heels. Because this woman responded the way that people should respond. Jesus doesn't come at you with a billy club. He comes at you with his arms open. He knows that there is much more benefit to repentance and forgiveness than there is to condemnation and judgment. This is the God we serve. And, and I feel these sermons are necessary for this reason. You go out and have a conversation, a random conversation with somebody nowadays, and you start talking to them about God, and people are going to start responding to you as if God is hateful, judgmental. These are people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. They have no idea. They get an inaccurate picture of what a Christian is supposed to be from people who aren't being Christians like they're supposed to be. So then they start throwing us under that same category. And the only way to fight this is for us as believers to be accurate Christians, the people that Jesus called us to be. You make a mistake, you don't refuse to forgive yourself for that. What is the benefit in you having a cloud or a weight on your shoulders and carrying it around? What's the benefit? There is none. We're smart enough to be able to say, hey, I just did something I wasn't supposed to. I'm somewhere I'm not supposed to be. And then we correct it. That's the way we do it. We don't do it because we're afraid God's going to strike us. We do it because God gave us something. And that something's extremely valuable. And we'll never take it for granted. And it's forgiveness. Forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west, shoot a line to the east, shoot a line to the west, not on a globe, straight lines. When do those lines touch? Never. As far as the east is from the west. Drowned in the sea of forgetfulness. 
Folks, God knows. For us to carry a weight and burden on our shoulders for something that we've repented of is a waste. It'll make us feel the way we shouldn't have to feel. It'll slow us down in our growth. It'll prevent us from being the person that God's called us to be, and it has to be let go. Because Jesus does not want his children carrying that weight and that burden. He even said, put my yoke upon you. So my yoke is light and my burden is easy. It's light and it's easy because it holds no weight. And we have to be people who do that. And we've got to be careful, folks. We can never allow ourselves to be people who are justifying sin. I am not standing up here and saying that at all. Sin is sin. Sin kills people. Sin is bad. But the reality is, no matter how good we are, we're going to do it. It should be mistakes. Grace should never be taken for granted. But Jesus doesn't want us feeling that weight. He wants us to know what forgiveness is. And he wants us not to worry about our own salvation so that we have the ability to be the Christians that he's called us to be and worry about other people's salvation. That's what he wants us to do. Jesus' response to the people in this passage of Scripture was that he walks in the light. And those who follow him walk in the light also. Walking in the light means that that's where we spend most of our time. As human beings, once in a while, will we take a step over into a shadow? Yeah. And how many of us have ever regretted that choice, stepping over into the shadow? But we do it because we're human beings, because we're not perfect. Through that, the only hope that we have is in Christ. And he wants that relationship to be there, and he also wants that relationship to be healthy. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ. You can come forward at the invitation time. You can call me after. If the Holy Spirit moves you and you will know what that means, please do not waste this opportunity. You can come up here, call me. If the Lord speaks to you, be sure that you talk to me. If you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I hope that you walk out of this, walk out of this church today with the fullest understanding. There are consequences to sin those consequences to somebody who's a believer in Jesus, those con consequences do not exist with God. Accept his forgiveness, regardless of how far back that may go. Allow yourself to live the life as Jesus Christ intended it. Forgiven and purposeful. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.